Thank you so much for um, being a part of what's happening here this weekend at Chapel Rock. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Nick Wilkes. I work with the middle school and high school students um, here at Chapel Rock, and it's a privilege to be able to serve in this way uh, with you this morning. If you would, if you haven't already filled out your attendance card, um, we actually have some of those in the bulletin today. So if you're on site, you can, you can fill that out um, physically, but we'd ask if you're joining us online, if you could fill that out digitally, or if you're in your seat and you want to fill that out digitally as well, you can go to chapelrock.org, click on watch now, and then there's a tab that says a connection card right on the top. That's one of the best ways that we can just stay connected with prayer needs, um, relational things that are happening. And um, while I'm here, I also want to let you know about uh, one other way that you can stay connected with some things that are happening. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there's a weekly email that goes out on behalf of family ministry, usually toward the tail end of the week, and that's something that you can subscribe to if you want to be in the know for um, things that are happening on a weekly basis in family ministry. The link to that's on the students page at chapelrock.org, so while you're fiddle, filling out your attendance cards or figuring where that is, if you head to the students page, uh, you can subscribe to that as well and know about all the things that are happening uh, throughout the week. Uh, we are wrapping up this series that we've been in, in the book of Hebrews, uh, called No Going Back Today. It's been a journey where we've been asking all kinds of questions over the past six weeks uh, in this series from the book of Hebrews, um, questions that uh, kind of leap off the page. Questions like, what do you do when, when life has been upended? What happens when what's traditional or what's been our routine kind of gets busted? Uh, what do you do when everything seems new or when adjustments seem to be endless? Uh, what do you do when tension is high? Now, what happens when the things that you used to think were perfectly safe now seem like they're coming at you uh, with a little bit of a threat? What do you do when you're not even sure where you can put your trust or who can be trusted? Sounds like some familiar questions, right? And when it comes to the things that we've been asking in these days. Um, but it's, it's amazing to see the ways that believers have been wrestling with these questions throughout the centuries and, and the way that the writer of the Hebrews, um, through God's inspiration, uh, met those folks right where they're at and where he meets us uh, here today. Um, we're going to ask some core questions uh, today as we wrestle with the, the last half of chapter 12 and all of chapter 13 as we land our series today. Uh, and really continued questions about the core of, of what it really means to belong to a kingdom people. What does that look like? How do we flesh that out when it seems like everything's kind of been upended? Um, today's, the title of today's message is No Going Back in Our City. I so appreciate um, the skit and the skits that have happened all the weeks um, from our, our children's ministry team that have been helping to, to kind of teach these truths in a, in a, a, uh, from a different facet. Uh, but I, I want to start by asking a question as we think about this idea of no going back in our city that I think is at the forefront of a lot of our minds, and that's where can I put my trust in the midst of all of this uncertainty? And we're going we're gonna to point in the scripture, we're going to kind of skip a stone across these last two chapters, but I want to kind of land on three different images that are going to help us understand um, and how, how to answer that, this, this question. The three images are uh, images of mountains. We're going to look there first. Uh, images of uh, cities. And then what that looks like on the particular street that you live on. 
That's where we're going to go today. But as we begin, uh, I just ask, would you bow with me for a, a word of prayer as we start? Lord, we need your help. We praise you for your work in our lives, in our community, in our city. Lord, would you please continue to lead us? Would you guide us, we pray? We need you every moment, just like the songs that we've sung today. And we, we pray that you would shape our hearts and our lives to continue to love and to live like you've made us to live, wherever you have us. Teach us by your Holy Spirit now, we pray. Lord, we also pray um, comfort for the Bowles family today and in the days ahead. We pray that you would give us wisdom in all the changes and all of the uncertainty that each of us face. And, and above all, Lord, may we cling to you. May we cling to the wisdom that you bring to us through your Holy Spirit and through your word. May we be marked by lives that the fruit of your spirit uh, comes through in mighty ways. May you be glorified in us, in us Lord. Uh, we pray and we ask these things as you lead us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so trust, man, that's huge, right? I mean, you want to trust the contractor that's coming into your house to do some work. You know, that they're going to be honest, that they're going to fix things right. You want to trust the mechanic that you bring your car to that's trying to figure out that noise that's just, you know, been plaguing you endlessly. You want to trust that the person driving in the lane in front of you is not distracted by their phone, you know, as you kind of wonder what's happening up there. Uh, you want to be able to trust those leading our schools. Uh, you want to be able to trust our teachers, our, those serving in government, those serving in leadership roles in our churches. Uh, you want to be able to trust uh, what the medical experts say. Uh, you want to be able to trust law enforcement uh, or the perspective that your neighbor or your friend is bringing you in a conversation over the, over the fence. Um, you want to be able to trust the person who says they want to date your daughter or your son. Uh, you know, trust is huge. It's a big deal. Uh, I think you would agree with that. Um, and what we do, the actions that we take, are rooted in what we think is true. The ways that we live our lives rest on the things that we can wrap our minds around. When we can't, when, we, when, we, when trust is suspect, we get a little anxious. Uh, we get a little fearful, maybe. We get a little uncertain. So what you know and how much you feel like you can trust uh, what you know are so important because you won't do something that you don't believe in. And as we kind of land the plane here in Hebrews 12 and 13, I, I love these chapters because they get really practical. It's like the hands-on sort of stuff. It's the stuff that we can, we can put into practice, which is awesome because sometimes Hebrews can kind of get pegged as some, having some pretty lofty theology. Uh, Casey and I were talking about that as I was preparing. He's like, man, you get to the practical stuff. It's like, it's right there, you know, uh, as we've been working through uh, this series these, these past six weeks. Um, but, but there's a tension that we have to manage between jumping right to the practical and understanding kind of the why behind it. And w the, the reason I think it's going to be important to kind of look at these three images that I want to talk about, mountains, cities, and your street, is that we, we can get the whole picture before we jump right to the practical. Because if you don't trust the practical, you know, it just becomes another list of things. It's like, you know, why should I do that? But Hebrews is so good and it's so rich at giving us this why, at rooting us in one who can be trusted, and therefore we can put into practice the challenges that, that um, are given to us. So we're going to zoom into the text. We're going to start from this wide angle of mountains. 
first. And what if I were to tell you today that I would like to guide you on a mountain hike? You know, would, would you be in? Would you be not in? Maybe if you know me or if you don't, you know, that might determine, you know, whether you're willing. You know, you might have, you might need to gather a little more information like, um, you know, do you have a map, Nick? Like, uh, do you have a GPS? Um, is there a trail on this mountain hike that we're going to be going up? Uh, have people done this hike before? Um, are there bears? Uh, are we going to have food? Do we need ropes? Is there water? How long will it be? Um, you know, all those questions that maybe come right to your mind if you're the type of person that thinks about that kind of stuff, or, or maybe you're not. Maybe you just heard, like, mountain hike, adventure, like, I'm in, you know, and, you know, there are some of those questions that you begin to ask uh, a few miles up the trail later on, like, oh, man, uh, are there bears on this trail? Like, where, where are you taking me? You know, and I realize I'm talking about mountains in the Midwest at 700 feet above elevation, above sea level, you know, here, here in Indianapolis. It might be a little, little bit of a stretch, but to anyone that's stood on the summit of a mountain, man, what an experience. I just wonder, show of hands, uh, in this room, how many of you have, and, and what are some of those mountains that you've stood on top of? Just kind of yell them out to me. Smokies? Rockies? Pikes Peak? Yeah, some, some amazing places that, you know, aside from Pikes Peak, which you can drive most of the way up, all the way up, you know, uh, man, there, there can be some grueling steps, you know, a, a lot of grueling uh, work to be able to get to the place where you take in this view, and then it's like, oh man, amazingness, and then back down the valley. Um, Hebrews, I don't know if you knew it, speaks of a couple of mountains here, and two of them in particular we're going to look at in this text today, um, beginning in verse 18. Uh, one in particular is Mount Sinai, which represents the Old Covenant, and the other one is Mount Zion, which represents the New Covenant, or this, this new city that was going to be appearing. And the author in the text kind of lay a foundation for us to trust in, is purposely contrasting the two, kind of beginning to give us this why for the practicality that would come next. So first of all, he talks about Mount Sinai, and he talks about what they have not come to. Um, as they begin looking toward this new mountain, this new covenant. You've not come to a mountain, verse 18 says, that can be touched and that's burning with fire, to darkness, to gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice that speaks words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. Uh, that sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. So there's this, there's this description in chapter 12 that, that's contrasting this old way and turning our attention to this new mountain that we're being drawn toward. Um, so the old covenant represented by Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments, and this new covenant represented by Mount Zion, which is the name for the hill that Jerusalem was built on. So that would not have been lost on the people that were, were hearing this. But the view here in the text is not necessarily just about this earthly city in Jerusalem. In fact, it's about something that's being ushered in by Jesus that is far better than anything uh, that's been built uh, on, on, in any earthly city because it's eternal. And verse 22 continues, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, 
You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So the writer here is saying, like, we, we kind of find ourselves between these two mountains. The one that you're being led toward is guided by Jesus, who doesn't leave you in a place where you may have seemed stuck before. And everything is new in this reality of what we're being led toward, what Jesus is leading folks toward, um, that he has done, he and he alone, through the power of his death, his burial, his resurrection, defeating death, defeating sin on the cross. Um, it's a beautiful picture of this mountain that they're being led toward in the new covenant. Now, in 11 days, uh, Lord willing, we leave for our 15th annual senior trip. Um, so for the past 14 years, we've taken our graduates, right after uh, the, the summer after their graduation, out west for a discipleship trip in which over the 11, 12 days, we study the Gospel of Matthew, and, and we really just come alongside students in this kind of critical transition where they're turning the next page and, you know, entering into what's next. It's a journey that takes us about 3,000 miles. Most of the time, we get to about five national parks and not national monuments. Um, but one of the culminating points is a 15-mile day hike. Yes, I said day hike. Um, up the Cascade Canyon in the Grand Teton Mountains. Now, some of you, how many of you have been on that particular hike? I know there's some in this room. Yes, beautiful, beautiful place. Hey, some past graduates there. Um, but uh, it, 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 it's exciting, but it's, it's a monumental task to get us flatlanders, you know, at elevation up to 9,300 feet um, on that hike. Um, and no matter how much you prepare, no matter what you expect, no matter, you know, what kind of map or GPS or, you know, things that you've, you know, made happen to get ready, sometimes the effects of elevation alone can make you have a really bad day, you know, as you're hiking up that. This past year, 2019, uh, we had a student that suffered uh, from altitude sickness. And um, the, the day started out amazing for uh, this young lady named Anna, who just graduated last year. In fact, uh, we baptized her in String Lake at the base of the Tetons before our hike. It was just like this beautiful moment that, that uh, the Lord had been working her li in her life in an amazing way. So, you know, now we're going up this hike, and she gets sick from the elevation. So it's kind of a bummer. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, as people uh, kind of wrestle with, you know, just the effects that uh, something you're not used to has on your body, you know, when we get to the top, we rest, we, we have lunch, we relax a little bit, and usually some, most people kind of rally. But for Anna, that was not happening. And so we knew that the only thing that we could do to help her was to get her back down the mountain, except for she was having trouble just, like, walking. So it became kind of one of those rally moments, like all hands on deck, like let's figure this out, let's, uh, let's work as a team, let's make this happen. And you know, people gave their, their coats, their jackets, their sweatshirts, we found a couple sticks like in the woods and kind of made this like, you know, makeshift stretcher. And for about two and a half miles uh, from the top of where Lake Solitude is in Cascade Canyon down to where she was starting to rally, um, I saw this, this team come together and help someone in the only way that we could, which was to come together and, and get her down to this, this lower elevation. Um, the only thing that could relieve her sickness in that moment. I mean, she was fine, it was great, we made the boat, it, was, it, it ended up being an amazing rest of the day. 
But uh, I can't help but think that when it comes to the mountains that were between, Old Covenant, New Covenant, man, we're, we're all in that spot of being hopeless without Jesus. We're all in that spot of being stuck, being in a place where without him, um, left to our own effort, um, man, we're, we're, we're in a hopeless place. And what Hebrews is trying to articulate to us, what the writer is trying to tell us is um, that the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is that we're able to trust in the one who can make the difference above all things in our lives. The one who wants to allow us to experience his love in an amazing way in that new covenant community, to experience his grace, to experience life in a way that we can find the one, the only one, that is fully worthy of putting our trust wholly in. And he invites us to be led by him. That's, this is what the text is talking about. So big picture, there's some questions I think that we have to ask ourselves as we wrestle with, okay, who can I trust in? What does it mean for my life? Um, and that is, um, how are you relating with the God who made you? Are, are you trying to turn back toward Mount Sinai? Are you trying to turn, turn back to something that, that is you know, maybe uh, kept you in fear, kept you in like striving on your own effort, or are you in the place where as the invitation is extended, uh, you are following after Jesus, you are trusting after him to lead you into the places that only he can. Um, How you see Jesus fundamentally uh, makes the difference for how you live your life, how you engage in your city. So once we have that foundation, as we kind of skip this stone across from mountains, I want to turn our eyes to the city. And so Hebrews uh, 13, 14 uh, is a verse in which we find that here we do not have an enduring city, but we're looking for the city that's to come. And trusting in Jesus means that we engage in working to help bring hope, uh, to help bring reconciliation and wholeness to people who are in the places where we find ourselves. Here in our contact text, it's this particular city, kind of suburban, even rural sprawl that we call the west side of Indianapolis, where God has raised up this church. Um, And we're engaged in meaningful ways, but we also recognize that history is moving towards something that's going to be greater than anything we ourselves have have built or can possibly built in these cities or anything that we've experienced, and that is this enduring city that's to come, the city that's eternal. You know, this, I imagine, was a little bit stretching for these folks that were reading this letter. I mean, can you imagine, like, you're, you're a Jew growing up in Israel. Uh, you're a Jewish man or a Jewish woman, and everything that existed, everything that you knew in the sacrificial system, in the religious life of Israel, in the rhythms of what you went through year after year, um, thinking about the, the magnitude and meaning of this earthly city, Jerusalem, that you maybe even would have been standing in, uh, was something that was changing in Jesus, because Jesus came to fulfill all that those things were pointing to. And so in this moment, they're coming to this place where it's like, man, we've known this old mountain, we've, we're coming to this new mountain, and we've thought this, this city was it. But like, what are, what are you doing, Jesus? Um, and in Jesus, there was this relational invitation that extended beyond buildings, uh, beyond uh, the, the rhythms of uh, what had been temple worship into them seeing the one to whom it all pointed. 
Um, It was a foreshadow, certainly, of what Jesus would do, but it was part of a city that was not going to endure, and they were being invited to have a vision for something that would endure. Can you imagine? I don't know. It might be a stretch. If everything you thought you knew kind of faded into the background in a moment, maybe it's not a stretch for us right now. You know, when everything seems upended, when it's just like, whoa, what's going on, God? The things that I thought were most important to my rhythm, the things that I thought were most essential, like, you know, am I, the people then were asking the same questions. Am I hearing you in this, Lord? Can I trust you in this, Lord? Uh, What are we moving forward to in this, Lord? Um, So they were looking to this city that would endure. Um, And the text doesn't stop there. I want to skip down to verse 11 through 14 in in Hebrews uh, chapter 13, because it kind of takes it one, one step further about their perspective of what happened in the city or what happened within the box that they kind of had God in. Um, Verses 11 through through 14 says, the high priest carries the blood of the animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. They knew that as what he would do on the day of atonement and happened for for, um, years. Uh, But it says, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. Now there's there's a chapter in Leviticus chapter 19 if you want to kind of see the context that's the background of what this verse would have meant. But it says the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered, this is interesting, outside the city gate to make people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we look for the city that's to come. So this scripture, it's really kind of reinforcing an argument that's made throughout all of Hebrews. And that is not just to get this information right in our head, but it means to join in and take action. And Jesus led the way. Uh, He gave them an example of suffering that happened to happen um, outside of the city gate. It It blew their minds. It was God had been doing this sacrificial thing to roll back their sins year after year in the temple, in the city, which was the center of what they thought they knew. But here is Jesus as he went to the cross, suffering outside the city. Something different, something new. And the scripture calls us, it challenges us. It says, let us go to him outside the the city, outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. Um, I say it takes it a step further because it's like, you know, folks that are already kind of having their minds blown by what is happening in Jesus are just like, wait, what? Like, you are totally um, stretching me outside of the box of what I thought I knew that God was up to. And I think it's so relevant for us today to go, man, Lord, man, how am I asking this same question to myself? Like, where am I willing to follow Jesus? Where am I, where, where is he leading and where am I willing to follow him? Because, you know, in the, in, in the scripture here, these readers would have been going like, okay, he suffered outside the city gate. What does it look like to go to him where he's working, even if that breaks me out of the paradigm of what, what I thought I knew about him? You know, so the implications should cause us just as much pause, just as much reflection, and, and a careful look at where Jesus work, is working and leading, but also our willingness to follow him. Like, what does it look like in the steps that I'm willing to take? So, in our city, um, if you have told me in late May, in the aftermath of uh, the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, that I'd be standing downtown on Ohio Street at a block party where black and white folks were joined with police officers 
uh, dancing in the street together in a show of solidarity um, with those who continue suf- to suffer because of racial tension. I'm, I might have thought you were like, say, what's going to happen? Because uh, if you drove downtown or like our skit, you know, maybe jog downtown um, in the aftermath of the protests that happened in our city, you saw, um, you saw a lot of destruction, you saw a lot of brokenness, you saw buildings boarded up, um, you saw a lot of anger and frustration that was expressed physically. And while there were their physical things brokenness, it was just a reflection of the brokenness that people are experiencing in their lives. Um, that's so hurtful. Um, and it's that brokenness that when Hebrews talks about Jesus suffering for, uh, it's that brokenness that he suffered for. That he would willingly go to a place that he's willing to help restore. And you know, every one of us is broken in different ways. We say that every, every single week. We bring our brokenness to Jesus, all of our brokenness. We, we humbly admit that, that he's continuing to lead us forward in, in steps toward wholeness. Um, and we look forward to that change that only he could bring. Um, but following Jesus to the places that are uncomfortable, uh, it, it, it can be tricky. And so one of my wife's coworkers actually um, arranged something that was a show of solidarity and something that um, was telling a different narrative than what's been told in our city. Um, Antonio Patton, who works uh, at Central Indiana Youth for Christ with, with my wife, um, said, man, w- we do need to tell a different story. And so he, he said, what if, what if we just had a block party? What if we had a cookout downtown um, and just showed people something different that God's people are, are wearing, willing to, to stand up and uh, in, in solidarity just be with people? and uh, stand, stand up against uh, injustice. And so they closed down Ohio Street in front of uh, a couple of um, black-owned businesses, a, a barber shop, and a soul food kitchen that between the two of them had about 33 different window panes broken out uh, in, the, in the protests. Um, but Antonio said, I'm gonna get together church leaders, I'm gonna get together my friends, black, white, law enforcement officers that love the Lord. And as we rounded the corner, we saw a mix of everyone in the street, like, doing the cha-cha slide, you know, and I was just like, what am I seeing? Uh, But it was amazing to see celebration, uh, to see relationship, to see fellowship, and to see folks that are, that are telling a different story. Uh, It's, it's been awesome also to see folks from this congregation, guys like Danny Nave, Ryan Nave, um, uh, Anthony Reese, that have gone down, and instead of just talking about things have gone down in like fixed windows. You know, there are people that are, that are making it happen to bring restoration. And I know it's more than just about the physical restoration of these places, but the physical restoration uh, and things like block parties on the street can be moments that point toward a different story that's being told because people are following after Jesus into places that are uncomfortable. And, and that's the challenge in our city, right? To go, okay, Jesus, man, maybe the, the, the way that you're working right now is different. And it is, it is getting me out of my box. And this is challenging. Like, I, I don't know. But Hebrews is trying to say, you can trust him. You can trust him where he's leading. Uh, you can follow after him into a place that maybe even makes you a little bit uncomfortable. But uh, as we do, he's glorified in amazing ways. Uh, I love the way that the kids, the kids get, said that so well. As we grow in faith and our lives are changed, then we're able to put into practice, put into action that transformation. 
And that's, that's the heart of what we're talking about today. So I just want to land one more image. What's that look like on your street? Where you live? You know, based on this understanding, this argument that Hebrews is making, you know, are we, are we following after Jesus? Are we present where he goes? But what does it look like in our street? In your neighborhood? Maybe it's a suburban neighborhood. Maybe it's an, an urban neighborhood. Maybe you live on a country road a little bit outside the city. But wherever God has you, my encouragement to you is to step into the call that he's placed on your life. Step into the way that he wants uh, his kingdom presence that points toward this enduring city to make a difference where you're at. So, man, chapter 13 is chalked with practical application. Um, we don't have time to unpack all of it. You're going to have to dig into it to go, okay, God, what do you, what do you have for me? What does this, this look like on my city? Um, but we know it's not just a list of things to do. It's not just something that's kind of like this gathering of, you know, one more thing to put in practice, but it's a picture of what transformed life can look like as the kingdom breaks in where he has his people. You know, what a, what a beautiful vision for the way that all that we've been studying uh, leads up to these ways that we can live this out on our streets. Hebrews uh, 13, 1 and 2, at the beginning of that chapter, uh, kind of points to uh, some of the things that, um, that, that are application points for us, things that are rooted in love, in hospitality, in remembering those in prison, remembering those who are mistreated, those who are suffering, having integrity, being content with what we have, being an example, being sure of our identity, uh, having a vision uh, that God sets forward for us in leadership. Uh, taking action, being people of prayer, rich, rich things that are a portrait, that are just painted of what God is doing um, and what he wants to do in and through you on your street. Hebrews 13, 1 through 2 says, man, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Man, what, a, what a beautiful picture. And I think the other thing that's beautiful about that is it's assumed that it's happening. It's not just like, oh yeah, you, you know, you need to start to figure this out. It's like, guys, you know, as, as this gets lived out, as you follow Jesus where he's at, remember to keep on loving one another, brothers and sisters. Don't forget, because they probably already have, but don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Man, you want to talk about something that's a little bit tricky right now. In this day and age, it's like, okay, you know, what's it look like to have the neighbors over for a barbecue right now? Uh, but uh, don't forget, don't forget about it. You might have to be a little bit more creative um, or to continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. You know, it's not just like, uh, okay, you know, let them come to mind every once in a while, but what does it look like as if you yourself were there? Like, can you put yourself in someone's shoes? Um, or those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Man, if there were ever a more timely verse than that, to remember those who are mistreated. The original translation kind of has something to the effect of, like, as if you yourselves had received the blows on your back that they had received. Man, it is a high vision. Uh, it's a high calling, but we're not left alone in the one who came down the mountain to lead us to the place that he's gone before us into. He wants us to be present with us. He, he, wants, he wants to be present with us. He wants us to follow him uh, where he's leading, to keep on loving, to not forget, to remember. 
um, all of those things that Hebrews 13 lands on. There's a, there's a quote by Gordon MacDonald that I want to kind of, as we, we wrap up here, um, just, just land in, in thinking about, and then we're going to read one more passage of Scripture. But Gordon MacDonald said, When Christ following truth is no longer spoken in street language, when it's no longer directed at street life, and when it no longer challenges men and women to live as Christ followers in, their, in those streets, there's no longer a chance for real-world faith. We want there to be real-world faith that takes root on our streets, in our neighborhoods, in those places. Um, and the challenge for us is to follow Jesus where he's leading in the midst of that. Man, all summer, even though things have been different, I've gotten to see ways that our students have gotten engaged. We got a couple pictures I think Carl's going to throw up, maybe scroll through. Um, there's a group of our students during a week of CIY Move helping serve at the food pantry. Um, that, that happens here every other week-ish. Um, we've had some folks that have been serving with Mission Indy two weeks ago. One of them uh, built a deck in the Fairfax community as a space to extend radical hospitality for Andrew Fillmore, who's the pastor there uh, with Impact Fairfax. We had another group that worked with Mission Indy that worked at a day camp at Brookside Community Church on the Near East Side and um, are just digging in, working with kids. Uh, that church provides a day camp for uh, working families in the community so that they can, they can stay in their jobs and, and have a place where they know their kids are going to be safe. And, man, I'm inspired by our young people. I'm inspired by folks that even in the midst of changing circumstances are still trying to find ways to just, like, dig in and get it done. Um, uh, we've got another group of Mission Indy. We've got several churches that are actually going to be starting today, staying in our building this whole week and serving in our community. Uh, there's even some ways still you might be able to jump in and help with some of the hospitality, some of the food service stuff. Mindy Turpin's kind of leading that up. But it's, it's awesome. It's inspiring to see ways that young people um, are leading the way in this. But the way has been led forward uh, for all of us um, in what Jesus established and what he's calling us to. And that's the challenge of the message today. When it comes to there being no going back in our city, there's no going back because Jesus is leading us forward. He's, he's leading us forward in strength and in a way that we can trust him, in a way that we can put into practice all that scripture challenges us to do. So I ask you today, with me. Will, will you trust him in this way forward? Will you follow him with us uh, in the way that that leads? Even if it's outside of your box, even if it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, um, we can trust the one who's leading. Um, I want to read a scripture, and then I'm going to close in, in prayer, and then John's going to kind of lead us in a, in a different sort of a way. We're not going to have a song response, but there still will be opportunity for you to respond today. Um, the next step room will be open. There'll be some folks that'll be down here to, to pray with you if, if you desire to, to have someone pray with you. Um, but if you just are thinking about, like, what's this next step that I need to take? You know, how do I begin to follow Jesus as the author, as the perfecter of my faith, as putting my life fully in the hands of the one that I can trust? Or you're trying to figure out, what does this look like on my street? You know, I've, I've had neighbors that I don't even know for years, like, what, can, can, can you just pray with me about opportunities that the Lord might have? Um, however you might be um, needing to respond or the Holy Spirit might be convicting and leading you, we have some folks that would be more than happy to, to pray with you, to wrestle uh, those things through with you. Uh, but there's just this amazing way that Hebrews ends, uh, this benediction, 
that is, is so encouraging to think about um, what was written to these folks so long ago and how relevant it is today for what God wants to encourage you with so that he can work through you where you're at. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says, Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back the, from the dead Jesus our Lord, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the challenge that it brings. Thank you for that prayer that was prayed over us, for us, thousands of years ago, that we would be equipped for every good work to do your will where we're at, even in the midst of the uncertainty that we face right now. Lord, help each of us to take a hold of that, that promise where we live. Give us your eyes to see. Lord, help us to move where you're leading, even if it's outside of our box. Lead us in what is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you join me? Let's stand together.